Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. So last week we started with this idea, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. You know, we've heard this version, uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, sound mind. Sound mind is interesting. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Another translation translates sound mind as good judgment. Sound mind is a bit nebulous. You don't really grasp what that means. But he ties your capacity of self-discipline and your capacity of good judgment to being fear-free. Think about it. What kind of decisions do you make when you're afraid? Now, see, here's what we're looking at. We're going to look at this passage, but we're going to also look at how to live this passage because that's what I want to do with the Word of God. I want to understand it. I want to dissect it. I want to properly treat it how it's supposed to be treated, but I also want to live it because we want to be doers, not just hearers only. Amen? Self-discipline. The spirit God gave you isn't making you afraid, but because he loves you, he will empower you to make good decisions. That actually is a description of what grace is. Like the function of grace, that's what it does. It empowers you to be self-disciplined and make good decisions. If you are not self-disciplined and you are making bad decisions, probably driven by fear, fear of judgment, fear of rejection from God, fear of if you don't take control, it may not happen, whatever. The fear is across the board. Fear is not from God. Amen. When you get ready to make your important decisions, make sure you're not afraid. Do some meditation. Take some time to connect to God's love for you. Be empowered by His Spirit which will shape your mind to make a good decision. Pretty simple, but we don't do it. We react and we make decisions out of fear, don't we? Fear is not from God. So then we see that fear actually raises cortisol levels. Cortisol causes anxiety and ultimately it affects your brain chemistry and even your body chemistry to where it clouds your judgment. Fear physically affects your body in such a way where your brain is not functioning in the way that it should to make good decisions. Anxiety increases. Um, <clears throat> power poses. Now, here's the silly part. You want to do them with me again? Sure. And all the eyes say yes. Who wants to do it? Do it. Who wants to do it? Stand up. Somebody stand up and do it with me. Come on. Power poses. <sighs> Dun, da, da, da. You know, we ran Julie off. One down. You're still doing it. You can have a seat. Now, why? 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 It's something as silly as that. So there is some science. Let me just say some for those of you. I appreciate the. I appreciate when people email me and message me, and they're like, hey, now, wait a minute, this, because I want to learn. I want to get communicate better. So, but there has been a study where uh, they tested 40 people. They tested their saliva and they checked their cortisol and testosterone levels in men and women. They had them sit, kind of defeated looking. 
tested their saliva, checked, the, checked those hormones, all 40 of them, then they had them stand up and do a power pose like this or whatever it is, or however silly it might be. Just doing that had this effect in this study, in this study, okay? The cortisol level dropped by 20%, I think 25%, and the testosterone increased by 20%. Now, what that does is it causes anxiety to decrease and confidence to increase. To me, that's a physical representation of God did not give you the spirit of fear. But when you are confident in his love for you, you will be empowered by his spirit to make good decisions. Even your physiology reflects that. So one practical thing you can do is when you're sitting around feeling sorry for yourself and you're feeling afraid and all that. Please, I'm not trying to demean that because I realize anxiety is a real thing. I, I, get, I understand that. It is gripping and some people struggle. I personally in my life went through a period of struggling with such fear that I couldn't even move. I couldn't even hang my foot off the edge of the bed. I get it, right? I understand it. But the name of Jesus is more powerful. And even your body is designed to respond to you making a decision to shift your awareness, even shift your posture, to position yourself to be empowered by God to overcome that situation. That really is pretty much transformation in Christianity in a nutshell. You're struggling with sin, you're struggling with fear, you're struggling with all this stuff, not stepping out in your gift. It's because you're afraid and you have a lack of confidence. Tip the scales. Trust Him. Amen? We mysticize that process, and that's fine, maybe. But you got to find something that works for you. So you will make better decisions when you're feeling confident in God's love and empowered by his spirit. Amen. So that's where we're going today. We're going to kind of camp on this same idea because, you know, there's a question here. What do you do when your faith doesn't seem to work? Now, I emphasize seem. What do you do when your faith doesn't seem to work? So, like I'm thinking, I'm looking right here, and this is where Donald and Cheryl sit, and they may or may not be watching. We love you guys. We're praying for you. My mom is not here. She's probably watching. Hey, Mom. Um, and it's because both of them are, and this is a shock. I realize this is going to be a shock to you. Some of you may, some of you may not know it's two different kinds, but they're both fighting cancer right now. Cheryl has a form of breast cancer that's estrogen-based, and they're working on it, and they're finding details. She was back in the hospital this week because she, um, uh, just some complications happened. Mom has a particular kind that is in the skin. It's a skin cancer, and they have treatments for that are very effective. She's going to begin her treatment this week, and, you know, there's not, there's not a a death prognosis with it. So praise God for that. You know, none of this stuff is easy to talk about. And I don't think that there is one with Cheryl either. They're just still trying to figure, hers is less defined, so they're still trying to figure it out. Some of you may or may not know, back in 2014, my dad died of multiple myeloma, which is a blood-based or bone protein type of cancer, right? Now, Jesus said, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Tension, hard, right? All of you have prayed for Cheryl. A lot of you have prayed for mom. Where we're going with this is not necessarily talking about healing, but where we go inside. 
See, because here's what life is. You have these promises from God. You have perfection in Eden, perfection in eternity, and in the middle, Jesus is representing God healing people, and he says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's where I derive my theology for what this life should look like. Eternity past, eternity future, God in the flesh, in the middle. Not the circumstances around all of that kind of stuff. All of the circumstances around that stuff is the direct result of mankind's impact on the earth and our way of life. That's just how I see it. Because when the thing's all wrapped up after the resurrection, final judgment, what's it going to be like? Is there going to be cancer in heaven? Absolutely not. What did Jesus pray? You will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we can get super charismatic and get all bent out of shape and try to force miracles and make church about miracles. I don't want to do that. I do want to believe in miracles. I do believe that it's God's will that we all walk in divine healing. As with the children of Israel who walked 40 years in the desert, their shoes didn't wear out, their clothes didn't wear out, there was not one feeble among them, and Moses was sharp till the end. That is a representation of what the body of Christ is like when they follow God. You with me? So I I just have a couple of thoughts here to kind of frame where we're going today. Faith doesn't move God. It positions you to be moved by God. You're not standing down here doing a faith dance trying to get God to respond to you and give you something. The reality is Jesus died to give you promises. If you look at yourself as a family in Christ, God's family in Christ, Jesus died and what he owns, he left to us. His will for us is his last will and testament. And in that will is life. Amen? Amen. Faith, we spend too much time trying to convince God to move. But in your heart, you you may not even receive where he needs to move you to be able to receive. Don't use your faith to try and move God. Use it to move you. Amen? It's, It's all about the heart, and this is where we're going. Your inner world determines how you will interpret your outer world. Don't develop your theology based on external circumstances. Develop your theology based on who is God. Who am I in him, and what does that relationship look like? I'm telling you, you don't realize that you do it, but you do. You look at your world, and you say, why God? Why not God? Well, this, mean, this happened, therefore this means this about God. But your inner world determines your, the filter that, that you interpret the outer world through. You've heard it said, God will meet your needs, but he doesn't always give you what you want. You heard that? (laughs) You like that? (laughs) You know you want to do it. Do it with me. (laughs) That's not scripture. Out of that, this is an idea that I feel like God spoke to me this week out of this whole heart thing. Miracles are stumbled upon. But promises are inherited through transformation. 
Think about that. That's kind of one of those, oh, I'm going to think about that for a minute. We're going to start, I'll post these up in the Facebook group so we can just ponder. Miracles are when you need something to change externally. Right? Are you with me? Amen. Miracles are when you need something out here to change. What is transformation? Transformation is you living in the righteousness and the holiness that God has given you. You engage in a mind renewal, which is repentance. You know, people that say that now that you're under the new covenant, you don't need to repent. That's dumb. But you just have to frame what repentance actually is. It's changing your mind. Mind renewal. You are transformed by the renewing of your mind. As you renew your mind and experience transformation, you will position yourself to receive from God. But if inside you aren't experiencing that transformation, in other words, thinking like he thinks, desiring what he desires, you're not going to be in that position to allow to build through you what he wants to build through you. And then things like, and then, and then passages like, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to your mortal body. What does that look like? It doesn't look like sickness in my mind. If it does for you, that's where you go with it, but it doesn't in my mind. So therefore, if I'm not experiencing that reality, I'm not going to try to move God out here and make him respond to me and do something to me or in my life. I am going to internally shift what I'm thinking and what I'm believing and recontextualize who I think God is to line up with truth. And I just absolutely believe that as we are aligned with truth in our heart, that truth will bear fruit. And if it's true that God is a healer, then it will manifest. Amen. Is God a healer? How often is he a healer? Do you really believe that? Amen. So this is where we're going. So what I want you to remember this week. Give it to God. Don't take it to heart. The world comes at you with stuff. You can either take it and hide it away in your heart, and it will produce fruit or you can give it to God Amen. and guard your heart. Amen. That's where we're going. All right, so a couple more ideas here. This is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Give it to God. Don't take it to heart. The heart is the inner part of what and who you are. When you get born again, God removes the old man, and he puts a new heart in you, and you become a new creation, a circumcision performed without hands, it's performed on you, and it removes the body of the flesh. Now, that's a little code language for sin nature, dead man, old you, core of sin, root of sin, all of that stuff. What he does is he removes the body of flesh, not skin, but the old dead man. There's a word sarks there for flesh. Two applications. One is skin. The other is nature core inner being. He removes that body of flesh, puts a new heart in there. And that new heart has God's laws, God's commandments written within it, and it's, it's righteous in nature. Well, heart, the heart of man is wicked. Yeah, the old dead one is, but you get that new one from God, that one's not wicked. Amen? Amen? We need to get out of the old covenant and into the new. Actually, we need to get out of the obsolete covenant and into the better covenant. Amen. That's what Paul called it, obsolete. Now, you don't just throw it away. You just recognized Jesus fulfilled it. 
It's not the one we live in. We live in this better one. So your heart inside there. Don't you know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Like, so just right now, just for a moment, think about that. God is in me. If you've said yes to Jesus, God is in you. Whom you have received from God. Don't you know that? Don't you know? Don't you know that God lives in you? He's not out there that you're trying to connect with him and get him to show up and perform things in your life. Don't you know that he lives in you? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Honor God with your bodies, which is your choices and your responses. This is what we're talking about is our responses. So this is Jesus here, John 16, 13. This is talking about, you know, so the Spirit of God lives in you. What's that Spirit doing in there? But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you. That word guide means show you the way. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me. So this Spirit in you, that is God. You're not God. You're not going to become a God. However, God lives in you. That presence that led the children of Israel through the desert, that presence that would come down in a holy place in the temple and receive the offering, that presence that if an unrighteous person entered that presence, it died, it's in you. It lives in you. It has changed the kind of being that you are. And it is seeking to influence you to make you live in a way that brings glory to Him. So when He says... He'll bring glory. He will glorify me. Now, in our weird kind of mindset, we think, well, God will give me cancer so that it will bring glory to him. Because of how I endure and I stay faithful, that will bring glory to God how I endure this. That's pretty self-righteous, actually. Something that I will endure that God put on me. Are you with me? But think of it this way. So first off, the word glory is the Greek word doxa. The very first definition is view and opinion. So the glory of God essentially is God's view and opinion. The way God sees it is the way it is. That's his glory. But then you also think of it in terms of this, these movies. You may like, don't answer. You like gangster movies. You know, you like it where the bad guy wins. We glorify violence and sex. You know, you glorify the violence in it. It's like you make it the focus point. This is what the Holy Spirit will do is glorify Jesus. It's not talking about working in your life in some weird, untangible, strange way. It's talking about he's going to glorify Jesus. And whatever it is, the situation that you're dealing with, the Holy Spirit will make Jesus look like the right choice. The Holy Spirit will make Jesus the draw, the desire for you. But you have to engage in that transformative process. Let's read the rest of that. He'll glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Now, are you getting, there's a deeper element that you should be getting out of this that the Holy Spirit's talking to you. This is Jesus defining what the Holy Spirit will do once he moves inside of you. Just before this, when Jesus is talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, he specifically says he will come and live in you. This is what he's doing. Uh, So all that belongs to the Father is mine. 
That is why I said that the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. God's not interested in being, you being confused. He's not interested in you being afraid. Amen. God has not given you a spirit of fear to make you timid. Amen? Because you have the mind of Christ, the Holy Spirit will remind you of who you are so you will make choices consistent with your identity in Christ. That's the battle. I'm telling you that's the battle. If you believe that you are a dirty, rotten, totally depraved sinner by nature, you have an excuse for your sin. Keep on in your merry way of sin and death and destruction with no hope of transformation. But if it is true that God has given you a new heart and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, transformation is absolutely expected. Amen. Because you have that mind, grace is active. So grace, for those of you that may not have been here for very long, Grace is not mercy. Mercy is when God doesn't give you the punishment that you deserve. That's mercy. Grace is before you mess it, you miss it. Grace is empowering you and influencing you to be shaped and molded by God so that your desires match your new nature and you make choices consistent with your identity. That's what grace does. So just to kind of contextualize... Because if God lives in you and he's leading you and guiding you into all truth, what does that relationship look like? I just I wanted to put this in here because it, it kind of contextualizes this is how God is treating us. This is how God himself defines his relationship with us in this leading process, okay? This is Jesus. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Now let me just say primarily righteousness, peace, and joy not even really talking about material things or even gift, not, or even uh, like uh, healing and stuff like that. Now, I personally believe God will lead you in such a way where you shift, you shift internally to be able to receive healing, but he might also lead you to change your diet, change your relationships, change your people, change your church, change your house, job, whatever. That's all part of this process of God leading you and guiding you into all truth, right? For everyone who asks, receives. I mean, just think about that for a minute. Everyone who asks, receives. Why am I not receiving? Well, God doesn't do that anymore. Maybe the transformation hasn't taken place inwardly to position you to see the path that he's leading. God will show you the way. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This is not talking about salvation, by the way. Which of you, so, the, so then, then he's like, all right, let me, let, me get it, let me make it relational here for a minute. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Anybody do that? Kopi, would you do that? Bob, would you do that? Nathan asks for some bread. You know, he's like, here, eat this rock. <laughs> or if he asks for a fish, give him a snake. Now, that might be kind of funny. Mike, I might see you, I could see you doing that, just kind of <laughs> cracking a joke, you know. But if your son's hungry, are you going to give him something dangerous? Are you going to make him perform for the fish? If you then, though you are evil, now he's talking pre-saved people, 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you see what he did there? Jesus is brilliant. He's not just making a statement here. He's talking about what we should expect to receive from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And he says, just so that you understand, I'm going to make sure that you realize God's good. Amen. So this whole process of God leading you and guiding you, it's in the, ter- it's in the context that God's good. Amen. He's not going to give you things that are bad for you, that will cause you to have teeth problems or get killed from whatever snake it is. You, know, you see what I'm saying? Jesus wants to make sure that you understand your God loves you, your Father loves you. Amen? So kind of, this is where we are. You're God's temple. God's Spirit is guiding you. You must guard your heart so you can be led. You're struggling with fear. You're struggling with temptation. You're struggling with being broke all the time. You're struggling with whatever decision you got to make. Your kids, the this, the that, your marriage, whatever. Quit trying to beg God to show up and make something happen. Wave his magic wand and take responsibility to to be positioned inwardly to be led because he will show you the way and he will lead you into provision and he will give you good things, not bad things. Amen? Proverbs 4.20, this is where that comes from. My son, pay attention to what I say. The Holy Spirit is speaking. Isn't he? Jesus said he is. Are you paying attention? Are you listening? See, here's our problem. We don't hear God. And we, we, we make all these weird things up about how to hear God. Some people will say, well, God's not even talking. If you can't systematize it, if you can't make it where it's this way every time, every time one plus two equals three, always, 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 then it's not happening. And then some people will say, well, I don't know. God told me to go here. Now, wait a minute. God told me to come here. It's like, well, you, what? That, no, God's not going to contradict himself. Amen. The consistency comes in the ear, and the ear is the heart. This is what we're working on, is to get your heart to consistently think in terms of who God really is so that you're, le- you're leadable. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Don't let his words out of your sight. How do you see things? What is your perception? Keep them within your heart. Now, watch what the words do that you keep in your sight. I think of a word. If I'm looking through this word, if I hear cancer, I've got this word right here, life. I've got the spirit bringing life to my physical body, bringing life to her physical body. I'm going to look through that word. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Is that not interesting? Like there's science now today that backs up the idea that your thoughts have an impact on your health. Solomon said that a long time ago. Where did he get that from? Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Or, as King James says, all the issues of your life flow from your heart. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about guarding your heart. The world comes at you, 
You got a choice. Am I going to take what the world's given me? Am I going to hide it away in my heart and respond to it and let it define who I think I am, who I think they are, what I think God wants to do? Because this is what we do, right? Somebody, let's say somebody doesn't call you or text you back. I'm going to make it super simple. Well, maybe they don't like me. Maybe they never liked me. Maybe them and all those people that they hang out with, they don't really like me because they're not texting me. Oh, they text me back. <laughs> Give it to God, don't take it to heart. That's the picture that I see, right? So here's where we are. Whether it is a death sentence or a mean word or a horrible boss or a broken marriage or not enough money from your job or somebody attacks you, you have a choice, right? Now, the choice Remember, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and good judgment, self-discipline. So this is what I, this is, this is, you know, and, and, I, and I don't want to oversimplify, but actually living within grace is pretty, it's simple to understand, hard to execute. So I want you to see this. I want you to see the world knocking on the door of your heart, and it shows up and it says, hey, got something for you. Here you go. You got a choice. Am I going to take that? Am I going to, am I going to take? Because see, Jesus teaches the principle that your heart and what you believe in your heart and what you allow to grow in your heart, your heart being the deepest part of who you are and what you believe, the condition of your heart determines the, the quality of your life. And the condition of your heart determines your capacity to let God lead you. What's written on your heart will override God's instructions for you. What you believe about yourself inside will override even God's audible voice to you. So be careful what you let yourself believe. World shows up, knock, knock, knock. Got a little something here for you. What are you going to do with it? And now we've been taught, I'm a gift to God. That, and that, that's a little Christian, a little cliche, cliche. And I appreciate it, but I want you to go a little bit deeper. I'm going to give it to God and I'm going to guard my heart. Here's how I'm going to guard my heart. Heart, God lives in there. Holy Spirit, you're leading me and you're guiding me. You are going to glorify Jesus. Let me turn towards you, Spirit of the living God. I'm not looking out here trying to get God to show up and make something happen. I'm looking in here where God lives. And I'm making myself impressionable to him. And, I'm, and he's going to glorify Jesus. And I'm going to look to Jesus not for a law or a standard, but for wisdom and direction. Amen. And if you are not hearing from God, it is because you are not thinking in alignment to hear from Him. Now, it may not be, Mike, go to this address. It might be, I think I'm just going to go over here today. And it might not be, this idea floated in. And it, you know, I want you to be so comfortable with following God that you don't even know you're following God Amen. because your identity is so shaped by his presence in you that you just think like he thinks and you just desire what he desires Amen. and if he does show up and say Mike do this it's probably a good idea to do that but if you're living looking for that voice 
you're not letting that inner world shape. You're not getting to know him. You're not letting that relationship unfold like your marriage or your best friends where you just know each other, where one look, you know that look. One look means I'm not going that way. We're going this way. You know what I mean? You know that look. I want you to be comfortable with God's look, God's looks. When God says, you're like, oh, yeah, okay, that's who I am. Here we go. I'm going to go this way. Where it's not foreign to you to be led by God. Because you think the way that he, there is, there is a lot of instruction in Scripture of what to think about. Whatsoever things are good, lovely, or pure, good, report, lovely, honorable, praiseworthy. Think on these things. Since, now then, since Christ has been raised, set your mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. All that means you are in Him, seated with Him, in Him, seated with Christ, in God, protected, saved, safe in Him, in the blood of Christ. He's in you, leading you, guiding you. You're having a hard time hearing God. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to repent, change the way you think. Now, yes, absolutely, repent means turn away from sin. Now, here's the problem. What if rather than it's the world that's knocking on your, the, heart, the door of your heart, giving you adverse instruction, or ungodly things, what if it's you? What if it's inside there, there's a little old man running around in there, and he's knocking on that door, and he's stoking that fire? That's the hard part. That part where you still think you're that old dead man, that's where you got to put on the new man. Understand who you are in Christ. Keep coming here, because we're always going to build that. That man is who I'm going to preach to. I am not going to preach to your dead man. I'm going to preach to the new man. I'm going to speak to her and remind you, this is who you are. Amen? Amen? Amen. Because you got a choice. Whether it's the world or whether it's you, are you going to take it or are you going to put it in your heart because it's going to grow? Give it to God. Guard your heart. Now, where are you going to do that? Think about that for just a minute. The holidays are coming up. Christmas is coming up. Life gets crazy throughout December, right? I'm about to engage in cancer treatment with my mom. Got a lot of responses that I'm going to have to deal with. Helping her deal with some responses. That's her responsibility. Other people that I love. There are people, some of you in here have invited me and some of others, others into your circle to help you minister to your friends. I better be in a position where I'm ready to be in those environments and be who God would want me to be. Amen. You know, I mean, I'm not changing who I am, but go where God would want me to go. Amen? Are you with me? Amen. You know, we do a disservice to the people that God is trying to lead us to because we're so worried and racked with fear about our circumstances and struggling and messing around with this sin that we've been dragging since teenagers. It's time to get some transformation, be leadable, and be used by God to bring glory to Him. Amen. Amen? I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at your performance. I don't want you to question your salvation over it, but I want you to evaluate where you are. Am I leadable on the inside? Because He lives in there. He is trying to lead me into truth. He is trying to lead me into a place where I inherit His promises, and I'm not trying to beg Him for miracles. 
That's what I want to do. So where are you doing that this week? What, what does it look like for you? You may, not, you may not know, you know, think about this. Give it to God, guard your heart. Because if I let it in my heart, it's going to grow. Every choice that you make will show back up some point. Every choice. You may not see exactly where you need to go long term, but you know where you need to go right now. Okay, if I make this choice, I don't know how it's going to work out, but if I step this way, I get a little bit further and a little bit further, and the confidence grows a little bit more. The wisdom, the capacity to receive instruction and wisdom grows a little bit more. You're developing that capacity in your heart. You're becoming more and more familiar with God's influence in your life. That's the way it works. But you are in control of the process. God does not have a magic wand to make it happen for you. Don't you wish that he did? A lot of times our prayers sound like, God, wave your magic wand. This is what you should pray next time. God, wave your magic wand. Sorry. Ain't got no magic wand. But he does have grace because he loves you. He's got strength inside of you. Amen. So think about that. Think about that, what that looks like in your real life. And this week when you face, you bump up against the world, you bump up against the mirror, whatever it is that your mirror is telling you, and remember, nope, I'm giving that to God, and I'm guarding my heart because I need my heart to hear God. Amen? Father, we thank you. Thank you that I can give my cares to you. I can cast my cares upon you because you care for me. You bear my burden. With you, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You are not placing heavy things on me to see if I'll pass the test. You are leading me and guiding me. So I make myself in this moment impressionable to you. I just make myself soft in your hands to be molded and shaped so that I will be comfortable following you, so that your ways aren't foreign to me. I want to bring glory to your name. And I take responsibility to not let the world in, but to guard and protect your presence within me so I'm not letting corrupt things into that temple where you live. I will keep that place pure with my thoughts and my desires, and I will let that presence within me guide me and teach me. Amen? Well, praise God.